Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. It is back to madness. The Maddie and the Caddy Madness podcast alongside the Caddy. I am the Maddie. This is Maddie the Caddy, the podcast. Hit us up, social media, at Maddie and Caddy, M-A-T-T-Y, the word, and C-A-D-D-I-E. That is both the Instagram and the Twitter. We are coming to you today from one half Bristol and the other half Gainesville. Florida, but you can also hit us on the listener line, 860-506-6012. Call us, ask them questions, just make some comments, whatever. Do whatever you want. I, I want... This listener line for the patrons, I would like them to participate. We will answer just about any question. You know what? How about this? Here's a question. Call us. How do you feel about marijuana on the PGA Tour? There you go. Robert Garrigus just got suspended for three months. And the PGA Tour wouldn't have announced it because in their in their rules book, they don't have to announce recreational. I'm doing recreational as, as air quotes. Air quotes, yeah. Recreational drug use by players they're not required to announce that it was garrigus who announced it on his social media platform now garrigus has had some as he says issues with addiction and marijuana in the past Mm -hmm. this was a little bit of a relapse but here's what i want to know at some point the whole country is going to do with marijuana what they did with alcohol and it is going to be legal countrywide. That's right. So I'm not I'm not saying I'm for it or against it. But what I want to know is who believes that marijuana could help you on the golf course and would therefore be a performance enhancing drug? Just where do you stand on it? Okay. 860-506-6012. Maybe um, that'll be what we do. Maybe we will start posing the questions to the patrons. And see if they can uh, respond to the question, give us their answer as to why. And I'll, I'll hit on the topic for a minute. No okay. pun intended. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't. I, that was good. That was I good. believe that marijuana, in terms of collision sports like football, I believe there probably are some healing properties to it. And there are players in the NFL who have said numerous times that when they are using marijuana, albeit most of the time recreationally, it has a medicinal effect on them. And they believe, and I've heard, I've talked to a couple of NFL players about this, they believe that if the NFL would just allow it, that there would be less of a problem with pills in the NFL. Oh, absolutely. Because of the use of marijuana. Absolutely. And, and so, I am 100% with you on that. But I'll take it a step further and go, It this has been scientifically proven. This is not, well, he says it makes him feel better, and so other guys say that it makes them feel better. This is science. Like, there's no disputing this. So it's not one of those maybe it helps and maybe it doesn't when it comes to football. No, no, this helps. And, and the, with regards to golf, it can't, it's going to take kind of a humorous turn because you've all we've all been on the golf course with our buddy that's got his one hitter, and he's out there playing golf with it. And so, look, I, I, I see the side where they think it could be uh, performance enhancing because it, it does. It, it could relax you. No, 
No. What do you Here's you know why? We have a good friend who participates in a tournament called the Brownie Cup. Yes, we do. And how did the scorecards look? They played nine holes sober. And at the ninth green, eat a brownie. And by the eleventh tee, it has fully engaged. And their scores clearly do not get better. Agreed. But I, th- I think the amounts are different. Well, this is the difference between... <laughs> Man, this is crazy. This is the difference between ingesting it and smoking it. Smoking it, apparently you can kind of regulate the amount that you take in when you eat it. You have no idea how it's distributed through ever what you're eating is. So if it's a brownie and you cut the brownie in four chunks, sure. one chunk might have a lot more Correct. than another chunk. So you just don't know. That being said, I spoke with Pat Perez about this, and he does not see any problem whatsoever with the tour allowing marijuana use. And in fact, he would encourage people to use it because he thinks it it would work in the opposite way, that it would actually it would not help performance and it could actually deter performance. No, I don't think it's going to help pros. I think it helps Brad and Chad, but in terms of pros, these guys are so mentally dialed in to begin with. Yeah, but okay, let me ask you this. What's the difference between, you know, are we talking amateur golf or pro golf? Pro. Because pro pro athletes are just a different breed mentally. Amateurs don't get suspended from their foursome on Saturday. No, and Robert they're also Garrett drunk. just got suspended for three months. How many he got suspended and he was this is the other scary thing. This is a guy who didn't have his tour card to begin with. He was on a conditional he had conditional status. Mm-hmm. So if this is another Doug Barron make an example out of somebody situation for the most part, most of what the PGA Tour is doing, I am 100% behind and I love it. Uh-huh. But I will say this. When it comes to their drug stuff and, like, set making examples of guys who no one has ever heard of, you know, or they know is not going to cause any ripples in the water by doing it, just so they can then say, well, see, look at what we're doing. Yes, but you're not doing it to the top athletes. That'd be like if you knew – if you knew – the fastest if you knew that Usain Bolt was taking steroids but you didn't want to publicly say you knew he was taking steroids and you punished the dude that ran an 11-2 in the 100 you'd be like look at what we're doing no you're not it's all for show and I'm really I'm trying to be optimistic and hopeful that that's not the case with the PGA Tour but I do have to say in past cases, it sure looks like window dressing. All right, so let me ask you this thing, because I'm going to full-on admit I have no idea. I have no clue what I'm about to ask you in terms of the what the rules are. Does player X, if they have a prescription for, say, Adderall, does the PGA Tour have to know about that? Oh, my gosh, yes. So what are the what's the whole protocol with that? So And that's one of the things where – and Doug Barron got hung out to dry. Doug Barron – originally went to the tour and said, I have a prescription for this drug because of my levels of such and such, right? Mm -hmm. And so he tells them, and they say, not a problem, good to go. You went through all the correct channels, went to the doctors, this and that. So then when he gets tested and shows these elevated levels, bang, 
one year suspension. And this was the caveat of the what the thing that was hurtful to him was they said, well, you didn't go through our doctors. And the the worst part, if you fight this in court and lose, then your time doesn't start until after the until after the court case. So we're going to prohibit you from playing. And if we keep you in court for a year and you lose, you're still going to lose another year on top of the year that you've already been out fighting this case. So basically they told him, you have to let us make you an example or you're going to be out for even longer than a year. That's where, to me, it goes, that's shady. Like, that does not, and the PGA Tour is all about look. And that right there had a stinky look to it. Yeah, and you know what? It's one of those sports and leagues, I guess, for you know governing bodies is a better term for it. Where you never really hear, you hear of violation of substance abuse policy all the time in MLB, NFL. Oh NBA. yeah, you never hear about it in golf. And when's I would the last be- time you heard a golfer getting busted for DUI? I'm not even talking about other than Tiger. Like other than Tiger, uh, when the and only because the video came out in the car crash. But like that was. Because it was so high name, but you think there aren't other golfers who have gotten DUI? That's what I'm saying. Like this, it's 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 always been intriguing to me. Like you and I aren't up here being you know poly positive about like oh golfers don't do recreational drugs. They don't no drink. We're, they don't. We're, yeah, but there's plenty of guys out there that do them. I know I know a guy who was on the PGA tour who actually did test positive for marijuana. And, of course, it's not made public. But because he's my friend, he also said what they ordered him to do was go to they, – they required him to go to counseling. They do a it. great job of players disappearing for a while and then reappearing. <laughs> right. like, Correct. Player yeah. X. Let's call, let's, call our, let's call our druggy golfer John Smith. <laughs> John Smith okay. could be in the top 20 in the world, top 25 player in the world, and John Smith – May have a test come back for like, uh, we found some stuff in your system, not good. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm just not going to play a tournament for the next six weeks. Or they can say, you're suspended for two months starting in November. But they never announce it. You never know about it. Correct, because they're not required to announce when a player is on recreation, when they test positive for recreation. And how do you feel about that? Um, Is it our right to know? Number one, I I believe now this is why I think the marijuana thing is different because my personal opinion on marijuana is I believe that legalizing marijuana is going to be on the winning side of this debate. Like it's pretty obvious from all the scientific evidence that has been put forth out there about marijuana and about how they're they're one of the things I'm still not clear on mm-hmm. and I try and I try to pride myself on listening to both sides. I still have not found compelling evidence in either direction that marijuana is actually addictive. Like okay. I don't know anyone who's addicted to marijuana. You also never it's also other, the same stories you've never heard someone who's OD'd on marijuana and died. Yeah, that's exactly correct. There's, of course, like from both sides, both, you know, one side says no one's ever, 
you know, killed anyone on marijuana. But that's again a myth. We I don't know that to be true. And I also, like you said, I don't know the other side. Like no one's ever OD'd on marijuana. I don't know that it's all. There are myths out there where people say, "Oh, this person was on marijuana," but usually there was something else involved right. as well. That being said, if someone tested positive for something else, like heroin or cocaine or opiates then i i think number one it would be a good idea to put that out there publicly because i think it would help whoever got popped with it Mm -hmm. either stop doing it or get help quicker yes you're talking the shame and embarrassment would Potentially, would perhaps heal them, or it could go the other way. Yeah, it could go the other way, and they could send them down a d- rabbit hole. But I think, like for for most of us who have friends that are on the PGA tour, the one thing that you don't want you don't ever want to see with anyone who you call your friend, you don't ever want to see them go through something on by themselves. So if one of my friends was doing something harmful to themselves or potentially harmful to themselves. If I found out about it, whether it be publicly or even privately, Mm -hmm. at least I could go to that person and say, you're not alone. Right. You you know what I mean? Like, and look, there are plenty of people that do things recreationally that don't have any problems with them whatsoever. They separate work from play. They, people do that with alcohol all the time. You don't drink when you're at work, you know, there, but there are people that are alcoholics and they're functioning alcoholics. You know, they they have a problem with alcohol. Some people get help and some people don't. Well, it's like that with all drugs. So I think as far as the PGA Tour goes, knowing that at some point marijuana is going to become legal mm-hmm. nationwide, federally, uh, just because there's way too much money to be had on the tax side you get of tax, it. Yeah, you get tax. Yeah, there's crazy. way too much. And there's also now, there are, you know, numbers are starting to come in about crime rates dropping. Well, when you have something that is illegal, it's it's very much like prohibition. But that, you know, like I'm, the, the point is, if you legalize something like this, then the stuff that is illegal, it would short-term seem like it would be harmful to the product that is the PGA Tour, but long-term, I think it would actually benefit the health of the PGA Tour because it would take what would be seen as a house of cards and make it a house of brick. This is where if we had a drop for Nancy Reagan saying just say no to drugs, we'd throw it in there. So that's well, that our the, uh, public that's service announcements. dumbest commercial. Uh, for the, you might uh, as well put the egg in the frying pan. I <laughs> learned it by watching. This is your brain. This is your, this brain, is your brain, on brain on drugs. Yeah. I learned it by watching you. That's the good one. Of all the I drug commercials. I did not teach you to yeah, that one. The, the drug commercials, the dead. Where did you learn to do this? I learned it by watching it? you. I learned it by watching you, all right? Also, that is a great comedian line that comes after that that I can't say it's killing me because it's so funny. But in the in the big drug um, era where they were putting this out for public consumption of like don't do drugs, it also one of the Hall of Fame moments was the Saved by the Bell episode with Jesse Spano when she's doing the uppers and she's like I'm so excited and I just I can't. 
I can't stop or what that it was all right in the same time as the the drug commercials. Hall of Famer, YouTube it. Uh, I yeah, I don't remember. I didn't see that. But see, I'm I so was scared. That's what the... it was. Brooks knew it. Brooks was singing it word for word with me. All right, that's it. <laughs> PSA announcement over. Uh, let's get on to a couple but, of things. Hey, call us 860-506-6012. Where do you stand on marijuana and the PGA Tour? You sounded like a dealer giving out your beeper number after that whole conversation. Holla like, at your boy, yeah. The Wire Part 2. <laughs> um, so another golf tournament is in the books. Valspar Championship. Paul Casey, your winner. Uh, we are now on to the World Golf Championship Dell Technologies match play event, of which you and I have both been, uh, I'd say, critical of just the format. I think the round robin over the next three days is a complete waste of time. And they're trying to change it to include 32 guys oh, to I'm make aware. it to the weekend. And the players said, nah. Yeah, but they shot first it down. Off, let's, here's something I've got to say about Valspar last week, all right? The winning score was eight under par. Ennis Brooks' Copperhead course does not get enough credit for how awesome it is. I Well... Yes and no. I think it got a little bit of due last year because Tiger was in it, so everybody was watching it. So people that weren't familiar with the snake pit and everything that goes on, you're like, oh, that's a decent little track. But yes, by and large, I would say you're correct. Yes, because that golf course, again, is a golf course that is not huge. No. It's not a big, giant golf course. Shot maker's course. Exactly. And you throw a little, just a little bit of wind in there. It's not like it was blowing like it does at the Honda where it blows 30 miles an hour and guys just hate that golf course. This is a golf course that guys really like because it forces you to hit golf shots. And I'll tell you, you're watching Paul Casey. There's a reason that guy is always in contention at the Masters. Funny that you say that because there were plenty of guys, Jason Day, who said that they were playing Innisbrook because it reminds them the most of Augusta. Correct. So now it just it reminds them of Augusta. It has not even close to the speed. No. Or the length or even the width of Augusta, but the shot making that you have to hit there. And surprisingly enough for Florida, some of the elevation changes are similar. Yeah, and so and that's that's the beauty of that course and that tournament, and that, that's why I always – when I'm in one of these pick'em leagues or there's a you know daily fantasy, when you're looking at some of these guys for the Masters, Paul Casey, no matter what, is one of my guys because the value you get out of him. But it's a second-shot course. Ennis Brooks a second-shot course. Augusta's a second-shot course. Your your drive Yes, yeah, here's impor- the thing about saying it's a second-shot course, though. Augusta? Yeah, because so I did a thing. I was asking guys, so I got – seven seven guys or eight guys and i asked them you know for here's your holes here's your holes here's your holes give me the most important what's the key to this hole right and not one dude was like well you have to be on this side and every guy started with you have to hit the fairway you have to hit the fairway and i thought to myself as long as we've been hearing about how much of a second-shot golf course Augusta is because of where you have to hit the green, mm-hmm. every guy that I spoke to, which were all Masters champions, every single one of them, every single Masters champion said the same thing. You have to hit the fairway. You do, but if you have any chance, like you're not going to accidentally birdie a hole at Augusta. It is just not going to happen. 
your second shot of where you landed because those greens, I'd say maybe out of the 18 holes, two of them have greens where there's flat areas. Maybe. Yeah. So you have zero chance of scoring at that course if you don't land your second shot in the right area of the green to put yourself in a position to make the putt. Now, Augusta's not hard to hit. If you don't hit the fairway at Augusta, you're not screwed. It's not. Well, except on 15. Yeah, there's one hole. Yeah, that's yeah, right. 15, you got to hit the right side. Yeah, because the then you're popping it out for two, you're punching it up for three, you're laying yeah. up, and you're, you're, you're giving away a scoring hole. Or, well, no, it doesn't really matter on number seven either. You can hit either side of that fairway. So I, I, I did want to ask you this, though, because as we get into the World Golf Championship, and I'm looking at some of the scores now as we tape this Wednesday afternoon, about 140 Eastern. I'm curious how much, and I was watching and reading some of the coverage this morning, I am now fully transfixed on Masters mode. Doing Masters prep here for our coverage at ESPN, as I know yep. you are as well. We're getting all of our assignments for the tournament. And I'm really starting to focus on players and guys that I believe have chances to win this tournament. I'll tell you a couple things. One, when you look at the guys and the names of players that have already won this year, it's as impressive of a list as we've seen going into the Masters as we've seen in quite some time. When you look at what Rory did at the players, Phil's already won, Ricky's already won. I mean, there's a long list of dudes that have already won tournaments. But now you look at guys in this match play event, how many of them now mentally are changing their game over to major championship season? Because once we get there the second week of April, we are now in that schedule where we have a major every month till the end of the season. All the guys that are playing in this tournament right now are all in me versus you mode. By Friday, that will have switched. You think? Well, because the guy, and here's, it's because the guys who have no chance of making the weekend, now they're only focused on, once you lose your second match, yep. if you're 0-2, then the only thing you care about is, Masters prep. Okay. Or if if you're one and one, and somebody else is two and zero, oh, and they're going no matter what, well, you're same thing. Flip into Masters mode. So that's when it's going to happen. It's going to happen Friday. But the guys that are there now, like they might have been thinking about the Masters a little bit as they were doing some of their practice sessions on the driving range. You won't do it on the golf course because that golf course is nothing like no. anything a, at Augusta. The wind course. stuff is different. Every it, it's yeah, it's not. It's I'm not a big fan of the golf course as most a lot of players aren't a big fan of that golf course either. But on match play, it does you can play on a goat track. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it. I just it, the timing of this. I find it odd in that I don't know that this is necessarily the best way to prep for this because then you've got the with the Houston Shell open or Texas Valero open, whatever yeah. it is. So you've got that coming up next. So I I find it – I mean, the field's locked. I mean, it's a WGC event, so the field is loaded. But for these guys to get ready for a tournament, you're right. Mindset of match play, completely different than mindset of stroke play. Stroke play, you're playing the course. Match play, you're playing the person. Correct. That's exa- that's exactly right. So if you're over here to, as Tiger would put it, get your reps in, 
then that's fantastic, but you're probably going to get a behind whooping. But all these guys are going to be, you know, I'm just here to get my my reps in and get my practice until you tee it up. And then you, these guys are so competitive. I so said I, with Tiger, if I'm him, I do the round robin because you don't have a choice. And then I just find a way to punt and get out of there and get to Augusta. I think it would be beneficial if he made it to Saturday. But That's a lot I'll, of golf, Mike. Well, no, no, as long as he loses in the first round on yeah. Saturday. Like, make it to Saturday, get your four rounds of competition in, and then dip out. Yeah, I mean, because what, what did we see Don't after? Make it Sunday. <laughs> it was after Mexico when he had the neck issue, right? Yeah. yeah well, pre, he said, pre I guess it started in at LA. LA. Yeah. But that was because of the amount of golf he was playing and, and the weather. Yes. 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 So I, that's where I'm. I'm looking at this event saying, okay. I'm surprised that he played in this event, but I understand his reasoning why. It's because at minimum he gets three rounds in. So even if he doesn't make it to Saturday, and that means that he only has one week in between his last competitive round right. and the Masters. And but you don't necessarily want two weeks off. But Brooksy like made a good point here a second ago, and um, it's valid. When you're playing – Stroke play relative to uh, match play, you're not grinding every hole. I mean, you're just not you like when you when you're playing for your score in a stroke play, like you're playing for your score relative to the field. Match play, it's like all right, dude's in the fairway, I'm in the rough, I'll do what I can this shot, and after that, you kind of take the brakes off, or you put on the brakes rather. Yeah, but it's easy during a regular stroke play event, too, to coast just a little bit. Well, the dudes that aren't in contention will coast. Yeah, but even if you're in contention, let's say you're playing fantastic. If you're hitting the driver awesome, Mm -hmm. then you're not grinding. Like, you just put it on cruise control and, like, I'm going to hit driver right there. Boop, hit the driver right there. And then, or if your iron play is good, then you're like, oh, I can try and work some stuff out with the driver. But even if that doesn't turn out perfect, my iron game is so good right now or my putting is so good. There are times during a regular tournament when you can just kind of throw it into cruise control mode even if you're playing great and up near the top of the leaderboard. That's why some people say, man, you made that 65 look really easy. And guys are like, well, I left a lot out there. And even they know if I would have grinded, I probably could have shot 63. But do I really need to grind that hard mentally on a Friday Mm -hmm. or a Saturday? And most of the top players know they don't have to. Yeah, and and when you look at – and then there are players like – like Jordan Spieth. I believe Jordan Spieth needs this match play event more than any player in the world. Because we had talked about it a couple weeks ago, even Next though you didn't, you didn't agree with huge. me. I think he is absolutely lost. He's lost. I don't know if he's completely lost, but I don't know that he's in a great place. He's right not now. found. But you know what? Like, I'm scared for Brooks Kepka. That was my dude. That was my dude. And then no I way. found out... He just dropped freaking 22 pounds, and now his swing is all squirrely. Why did he drop the weight? I don't know, but I feel like forcing him to drink raw eggs and do watch Rocky with me at some point and put them damn pounds back on. Yeah, I'd be concerned knowing that as well. Because now it's like he's not the same. And even he said, I dropped some weight. 
You know, it changed. He changed his diet. Oh, I know, man. What you doing? What are you doing, well, man? Look, I don't blame him. You, you trying to look good no. in your thong again in the summertime? He's so? right. Look what happens. There was a trend in golf started by Tiger. Yep. Where big buff built like a free safety was the Get thing yoked. for a while. Get yoked. It it killed Rory. Absolutely killed him. It starting to kill Jason Day. Like these well, these guys. Jason just, Day's was based on swing and back. But what do you think? Yeah, but what do you think overcompensates that when you've got no fluidity because you're too yoked? Hey, boy, that's you know what? Hello, yoga. You know, I'm telling you, but that's a problem. I I agree with you. I agree with you because. As these guys always do, this is one of the things when it comes to golfers. What they always say, they're always working on something. I'm just trying to get a little bit better. I'm trying to get a little bit better. But, like, dude, you shot 62, 63. Shut up. Why don't you try to maintain just a little bit? You know what I mean? Like, it's like when you go out. Are you just trying to drink as much as humanly possible and end up in the emergency room? Why don't you just get to a good place and hang there? It's okay to have some water every now and then. You know what I mean? It's cool. Just chill. You don't have, like, is there a goal at the end? And that's some what, some of the things I talk to people now about when they're like, you know, I'm changing all this stuff and this, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it. Okay, cool, but what's, make sure you have a stop point. Like, what's the end goal? And if you say you don't know, that's a problem. Yeah. I Look, I wish everyone, I, I'm sure everyone listening to this, I could have used that in Vegas. Like, what's the end goal here? When are you going <laughs> to? When, when's the stopping point? I was going to ask because I'm not going to lie. Brooksy did a pretty good job sitting in there, yo. Good. I mean, it was the intro, which I had to muster up, you know, because I'm used to being a co-pilot. So when the co-pilot got to take off and land, it's not maybe not quite as smooth. It's more like taking off of an aircraft carrier yep. and crashing on an aircraft lander or landing. Same thing. Crash land. Same thing if you're on an aircraft carrier. It was like that. But. Brooksy, he held it down. Good. You Free- sounded like you was you was ready to go. First, let's start with Freeze how much up my week. Did, how much sleep did you get though? None. Yeah. That dude. Here's, here's what it is. <laughs> the the three hour time difference is more than you think. And with my meaning that it, it it's not like going to Europe where it's a big one, but it's enough to jack with you. So oh, for, yeah. for me, with my work schedule. I'm up at 3.15, 3.30 a.m. for work, okay? Yeah. So when you put me in a three-hour time difference and I'm staying up till 2.30, a.m., I'm wide awake out there by 6.30, 7 o'clock because that's when I'm wide awake out here on my days off. Yeah. And so it doesn't adjust. Like, it'd be fine if I could go to bed at 2.33 a.m. and then sleep till 10, but I just can't. And that's the toughest part of Vegas for me now as I'm getting older. I can't sleep. And yeah, then but, it, see, but you still go hard. You still party like a rock star. Yeah, I mean, see, I can now, play. Do you not forget? We just celebrated that magical birthday, yo. I know. And now it's all about recovery time. I know. See, because that's what changes. See, and that, that, that's just it. Now that I've done that first Vegas trip in my 40s, it's time to uh, reevaluate the offense. <laughs> You know, like I think no more running gun, yo. This yeah. isn't a run and shoot offense now. I might, I might Three go yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah, brother. I might go wishbone. <laughs> I mean, what I'm gonna have to do? Here's what I'm gonna have Don't to do. Don't be now. afraid to throw the pitch. <laughs> I'm gonna have to be more of a defensive coordinator now, because now Vegas I was all about calling ball plays in my 20s and 30s. Like let's, right. let's go, let's yes. go. 
Now it's going to be like, all right, well, I'm going to have a designated bedtime now. Well, I'm only going to have one or two drinks before dinner. I'm only going to have one drink at dinner, and then I'll have a few afterwards. Can I just tell you, thank you for finally starting to see my side now. Look, if this has always been your side, then you've never been wrong. Nah, look, I would never say that I've never been wrong because remember, I come from the entertainment world. So I know how to party like a rock star, but I also learned some hard lessons after I hit the big 4-0. And that was that whole recovery time. Oh, yeah. And then the importance of sleep if you want to perform the next day. That's the key. How much recovery time do you need to then hit your at least 80%? You need to functionally be at 80% if you're going to either be in front of the camera or in front of people. Yeah. That strangers that you don't know. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll t- like the, the Tuesday, played golf with my buddy out at Canyon Gate Country Club and played well on Tuesday. Really? Yeah, played well on Tuesday. I think 84 83 84. Okay. 83-84. Missed a lot of putts. Could not putt to save my life. But I want to hear about that. Shout out to TaylorMade M5. I still don't have it. Oh. That, that Look. How did it go? Can I tell you? I got a love-hate with her right now. <laughs> Taylor and I have a... <laughs> old Taylor M and I have a, a love-hate because when it's on... It's on like it's, Donkey Kong. It is on. I mean, there I were three... it on. Yeah. Yeah. When it's on, like there were three four holes in a row, it's like, all right, I'm going driver at eight iron, and this golf is easy. Ooh. But but when it's off, I don't man. But so that so Tuesday, and then so Tuesday was the night where you know first night we all went out. So then when you show up at the golf course Wednesday after a night out with not much sleep, yeah. First four holes, I was Dustin Johnson. I couldn't be stopped. Holes five through eighteen. Once the buzz left, like I never picked up a club before. <laughs> You know what? Once the buzz leaves and the hands swell, that's it. And we got paired with a couple of members on Wednesday. Awesome. I'm sure they were real proud. And we were having, I mean, it started off great and then just wheels off. So, I mean, that's That's nothing I don't account for. Like, look, I will say this. Like, when you go out there as anything in life, be it in your job, at home, or wherever the case might be, even in situations like is as simple as vacation, you have to evolve. You have to evolve with how you do things. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then, most importantly, stick to your guns. Well, that's the thing. Once you drop the ball play, stick to it. Well, yeah, because we all have friends in our crew that they'll have a ball plan too, and then they are easily distracted and get mm-hmm. off course and then just want to start calling audibles, and the next day they think it's hilarious. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, but they, then – They get a Bloody always, Mary in them or two, and then all of a sudden they turn into Frank the Tank, and they're like, hey, let's do this. It's like, Whoa. Yeah, and how come – why is it always – why is it always the people that have the least amount of responsibilities? They're the ones that want to do the most crazy off-the-wall stuff. See, I find it almost sometimes it can be the other way, where the guy uh, that has all the responsibilities goes to Vegas. All of a sudden, he's away from responsibility, and it's like, let's go. See, I've always found it to be the other way. The guy that just has zero give-a-damn in him and just goes for it? Yeah, and, like, never has consequences for any of the actions. 
You know what I mean? Like, well, of course you want to do that. You got nothing to lose. Like, so what if people get pictures of you? <laughs> so you I know, will. I will say this: wearing some Marv Albert clothes. <laughs> wow, that kind of Vegas, huh? All right. See what so I'm saying? Coming up next. Speaking of Vegas, I brought back. Brooksy's looking at him. I brought back four sports book tickets, of which I made bets on long odds at the Masters, and we'll break down each one. I can win a lot of money if any of these hit. That's coming up next. And I will tell you, there's something that I discovered on my flight um, that I I didn't take the picture that I needed to take out of this magazine to throw this at you today, but it is coming soon, all right? All right. Uh, But first, I was never very loyal to one brand of clothing. I'd open up my closet and grab whatever was hanging in there. Then I got my first Peter Millar Performance Sports Shirt. Total game changer. I wear one to work almost every day. They have the appearance of a classic cotton sports shirt, but they're designed from innovative technical fabric that's extremely breathable. No matter what you were doing during the day, climbing in and out of the car, a golf cart, running to meetings, these shirts always feel comfortable. All the Peter Millar clothes that I have, sports shirts, quarter zips, they all look great. They make me look sharp. They're extremely comfortable, and I can go from work to dinner feeling great and looking even better when I'm wearing my Peter Millar. So head over to PeterMillar.com slash Maddie today and experience this quality for yourself. Pick up a few of these performance sports shirts. They're fantastic. They're offered in a multitude of colors and patterns, perfect for the office or the weekend. And while you are there, make sure to check out some of my personal favorite styles. Use my link, and you'll receive complimentary shipping and a free hat. That's Peter Millar, M-I-L-L-A-R dot com slash Maddie, Peter Millar dot com slash Maddie. Coming up next, I'm staring at my sports book tickets. Are they good bets or bad bets? That's next on Maddie and the Caddy. All right, we're back on Maddie and the Caddy. We like to add a little bit of a gambling uh, elements to the program. We were talking about it uh, earlier. Caddy, I'll let you know on the podcast we were just uh, reached out to by Daily Wager to do something to the Masters. So we'll give you some Masters bets on television from Augusta in a couple of weeks. All right. But I came back with four tickets uh, from the Cosmopolitan Race and Sportsbook of four different players that had long odds. I'm going to preface it there. The the shortest of these odds that I had were – 65 to 1. That was the shortest? That was the shortest. I'm telling you, I played okay. them I played okay. them long. Yeah, well, you know what? You you long shots have long amounts of zeros after okay. them if they come through. Yeah, they do. That that's how you win. Yes. That's how you win the big money. So, I'm going to give you each of these tickets of who I bet and why I feel really good about every one of them, knowing that only one of them can win. All right, my first. All right, I'll do my shortest odds ticket. Yeah, give me the six. I want to know who's sixty-five to one. Who you got? All right, sixty. It looks like it was. Uh, looks like it was sixty to one. Sixty, 60. to one. I got. All right. Louis Ustazen. Usti is sixty to one. Sixty to one. I find a- him to be that player that at any moment when he shows up on a course of the major can be the best player in the tournament. Yeah, well, the thing is, it's not like he hasn't had a shot. I know to win, so it's like, man, I you like that? Yes, a lot. I mean, remember, 
He made a double eagle on the second hole the year he lost to Bubba. That was the year after Charles Schwartzel won. Yep. And Schwartzel actually cried when Louis lost because Schwartzel and Usti are like best friends. So Schwartzel swore he was going to get to put a green jacket on his best buddy, and then Bubba hit the miracle out of the trees. So I got in on Usti, I think, at the right time. I think it was a good bet at, at, at uh, 60 to 1. That's a really good bet at 60 to 1. Okay. I'm with, I'm, so far, I'm cool with that. I'll give you $5. Would you put 10 on it? I put 20 on, on Louie. I put 20 on all of these. You put 20 on Louie? Yes, all right. I put, I'm kicking 10 so I can get half of that too. So, so I, in, I invested. I mean, why is he laughing in the background? I invested $80 Look, into my, if, into my golf bets. If I put money on Powerball and you go, yo, can I get in on that? I would say, yeah, sure. And I'm going to give you whatever portion that you donate. All right. So ticket one, Louis Eustazen. Okay. Ticket two, someone who I've always thought this would be their first major championship win. Okay. Brant Snedeker. No. Now you don't like that one. Nope. Well, so we won't talk much about it. What is his odds? 200? 60 to (laughs) 1. Snedeker, 62. Yeah. That's not a good bet. All right. You're not. You want to have you want to get on have this? You want to nah, taste? Right. Nah, nah. Right. Give me. You know, you to, I'm putting in. So far, I'm only in for ten. I right. got ten on Usti for you. So. I love this bet at a hundred to one. But hold up, why did you like Snedeker so because much? I just, there's something and about you only the gl- got him at sixty. Vegas uh, Insider has him at one twenty. Yeah, I saw that. So there may got, have been some. I don't know why the movement on him because people did some research, probably. He's got three top tens at the Masters. That just that's a course. Where I don't care. He's the dude that shows up. He can putt well enough. I'm telling. You, that's if also, he's going to win a major. He can't win there. He ain't winning there. All right, fine. But again, I'm not playing favorites. I'm playing guys at long odds that I think can have some success there. And I'm t- he always shows How up. How much at Augusta. does success pay? Because the last time I checked, only winners pay. All right, good. All right, next <laughs> ticket. Love this bet. All right, hundred to one. Okay, Ian Poulter. He has been around every weekend this year. Every weekend. And he's a dude that rides emotion. If he's around on the weekend at Augusta and makes a couple of early putts, he's a dude that could go low and win this thing. He's found yeah. something. He's back. He's been around all year. I'm scared of his putter at Augusta, though. So, all right. So far, I'm only in on you with Usti. Um, I, I mean, Poulter's, Poulter's not T6. bad. Poulter's not bad at 100 15. to 1. It's yeah. not bad, but I would spend my money elsewhere. But go ahead. And finally. All right. This, this one. It's got to be the end all be all. Comes right from the Maddie and Caddy dinner party. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> 200 to 1. Are you serious? He's 200 to 1? Ollie Schneider Jans. Mm. Ollie and I had a fantastic conversation about the Masters at dinner. Yeah, but me and you have fantastic conversations about the Masters, too. That don't mean I'm put 20 on you to win. I only put 10 on him. (laughs) He's never played the Masters, which he he reminded me at dinner. See, He's a local Georgia kid. Again, red flag, too. Go ahead. 
long odds. You're you're acting like I just put the mortgage down on a f- eight to one favorite. You this is a long odds kid. Me ten dollars. It's a Why good don't you just story. Give me $10? It's a great. Yeah, it's a great story. But there's too many. Like if there's one thing against you. This is your first time playing there. Okay, are you taking a local caddy? No. All right, you're done. That's it. Like so. Okay. He's this played not- the course numerous times. So it don't matter. You don't play. He ain't never played it Thursday with all the pomp and circumstance. So you can play that course as much as you want to. It ain't the same on Thursday when they say four, please. <laughs> like as soon as that happens. Man, you can't feel your feet, you can't, which you've never had that feeling before because he's never been in a Ryder Cup. So when you said when you said our dinner partner, yeah, the first guy I thought, but I I know he's not outside that 60 to 1, and that's a dude who I would take all that money that you put on the long shots except for Usti. I would take all that money and bet it on our other guy who was at dinner with so us. So would I. Who's oh, but at you're 30 not thirty to one. Yeah, Finau's only at thirty to one. Yeah, thirty to one, bro. Bro, how much would be left over if you eighty dollars total? That means you put fifty on Tony Finau at thirty to one. You could have taken fifty. Now fifty times thirty to one, bro. Me and you, we gonna talk about having a good time in Vegas. Best part about my Ali Schneider dance, man. I'm not even sure he's qualified for the Masters yet. I don't know that he is. <laughs> I don't know that he is either. He's, but look, Which, he, look, he was on the odd sheet. If and he's I was like, on the board, though, yeah, he was on the board. Not, he is. I do not have him doing a quick look over here at Vegas Insider. It's ten dollars. What is that? One vodka out by when us idiots are out in 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 Augusta. National having fun on Ollie. If Ollie just finds it, it's 200 to 1. Uh, Brooksy says the bet. He looked at me with in in all seriousness. He's like, 100 to 1, Webb Simpson, that's the bet. I'm looking at that one there, too. Um, Which, what are you looking at so we can have consistent odds here? I'm looking at Vegas Insider. Okay, that's what I'm on as well. Yeah, so I, I see your Webb Simpson at 100 to 1. Um,. Thomas Peters, hundred ten to one, also the the Belgian bomber. He's a dude that he he had a top five there a couple of years ago, didn't he? Yeah, his putter's never been. He's a hothead too. Good enough to make me feel confident about. I tell you that. what, I was all on John Rahm at the Masters this year, then I saw what he did to the players. I'm like, nope, nope. Yeah, see, but I'm the opposite. Oh, I tell me on this one. I believe that after what happened with John Rahm at the Players Championship, that now the Masters should play even harder for him. Like, and I mean play harder in a good way, because you want to talk about lesson learned. Next time Adam Hayes says to him, "This is what we're going to do here in this situation," mm-hmm. there will not be any questions from Rahm whatsoever. Which means now, finally, he's doing exactly what brought Webb Simpson and Paul Tesori the success that they have had. And that is, you're the thoroughbred, I'm the jockey. When I say start making a turn around this pole, start making a turn around the pole, don't keep running straight, or we're going to hit the rail. All right? right? So I think if there was one place where John Rahm could have found 
like a great tool, especially for a guy who says, I'm really working on myself and I'm working on my mental state on the golf course, you know, in the heat of battle. And he, he made a mistake and it was a fantastic mistake that we got to watch on TV. Devastating. But it was one of those things where I believe he walks away from that and learns and now should be a favorite going to the Masters. Well, we're all going to find out together. We've got some fun content uh, planned for you, Masters Week. We'll be back next week to recap WGC. We'll officially get into Masters Tournament mode. Uh, Again, the question today was, quickly, Caddy? Marijuana on the PGA Tour. Should they lift the, we'll call it, ban? Should they take marijuana off the banned substance list on the PGA Tour? And the hotline is? 860-506-6012. That's 860-506-6012. That's it. I can't do any more. I'm taking my ball, and I'm going home. I'm putting the flag in the hole, and I'm unlocking my bag from the cart, and I'm walking the rest of the way. For the caddy. Michael Collins. On to Maddie. Funyuns and onions, people. We'll talk to you next time. Maddie and the caddy. Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.